Yes, I got one person to clap. That's great. Hey, you guys ready for this? All right, we are finishing up our detox series, just like Mindy said. I want you guys to have an opportunity to make sure you get the notes, so scan the QR code on any of the screens for just the next uh, few moments. Um, but my name's Clayton, and I'm the lead pastor here at Central. I'm so glad you guys are with us. If you're watching online, um, thank you for being a part of our worship experience um, as well. Over the last several weeks, pretty much this whole uh, start of the, the, this year, we've been going through this idea of detoxing from some things in our lives that are, that are unhealthy. And so most of this has been very personal. It's been talking about your mind. It's been talking about your, your body and talking about your spirit or your emotions. And when you think about detoxing from those different things, those are all personal areas that also have an effect on an impact on your relationships. Don't you think about that? So today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of transition from talking about our personal lives to what's going on in some of our relationships. And I want to say this. The most important relationships that you have are with your family. And so I was thinking, I was like, you know, I'm going to go and find in the Bible just that perfect family so that we can use that as, an, as a guide for us and an example for, for us to live. And so, you know, I looked and I couldn't find it. Like, there is no perfect family in the Bible. Every family in the Bible is messed up, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Even Jesus's family was messed up. Now, Jesus was perfect and is perfect, but he had a, a sinful mom, a sinful dad, and a sinful brothers and sisters, and they had issues just like you and I have issues. And so, the Bible doesn't give us an example of a perfect family, but the Bible does give us a prayer for us to pray for our families. In fact, I want to invite you to turn to Philippians uh, chapter 1. That's where we're going to be at today. It's going to be up on the screen for you, but if you have the, your Bible, whether it's a hard copy or digitally, just, just open up to there. And you can stay there pretty much the whole time. We're going to jump around a little bit, but you can just land there. So we're going to walk through these two verses in Philippians chapter 1. Now, see, Paul, he writes this, this letter to the church in Philippi, and it's a church that he had founded several years prior, and they were growing, and he had a relationship with them, and he was, like, mentoring them, and he loved them. They were killing it compared to a lot of the churches in the area. And he writes this letter to them, and he starts off with this incredible prayer. So let's read it together. Here's what it says. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in, in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Now, Paul is writing and speaking to a, a church which we can look at a church as a, a family, a family of believers who have a common, commonality and they have connection together. And it's kind of the same way with, with your family. And so I think even though this passage is specifically talking to a church family, we can also use it to help us when we think about our own family. Because there is a problem either in the, the church or in your, your family. We all have relationship issues, don't we? I mean, we have relationships issues just in this room, right? As a pastor, I know some of them. Some of them, 
are directly involving me, right? We have relationship issues in this room, but we also have relationship issues in our families. And all of those relationships need to have a detoxing moment where we take the toxic things that are in those relationships and try to eliminate them. Look, if you want to know what the common problem is and issues that we all face, you know who you should turn to? Comedians. That's who you should turn to. Comedians are the best at evaluating our culture and and saying, you know what, we got some issues. And comedians are experts at making fun of those issues. We they make fun of politics. They make if they're a Christian comedian, they'll make fun of of Christians. Um, they'll make fun of themselves. Um, they they will make fun of sports and our obsession with sports. They'll make fun of our bad habits. But you know want to know the number one topic for comedians is the family. They love to make fun of not just your family, but specifically their family. And so just to kind of keep uh, this, this thing going over this last month, every single sermon we've looked at a comedian. And so I want to invite you to watch this short clip by a comedian named Jeff Allen. My father gave me one really wise piece of advice before I got married, and it's held true for 32 years. On my wedding day, my father said to me, before you argue with your new wife, and you're going to argue with her, before you do, Take some time, step back, ask yourself two questions. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? <laughs> right. And then he broke down and sobbed right in front of me. <laughs> I believe teenagers are God's revenge on mankind. I really do. I think, I think one day the good Lord was looking down over his creation and said, let's see how they like it to create someone of their own image who denies their existence. <laughs> You gotta know your love language. I read a book. Some guy wrote a book, Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book called Five Love Languages. According to Dr. Gary Chapman, there are five languages of love between a man and wife. Tammy and I read that book twice in one week because we didn't see our love language in there. Yeah, apparently bitterness, sarcasm, not part of Dr. Gary Chapman's love life. By the way, if you're a young parent, everything I was told about grandchildren is true. It is. They are your reward for letting your teenagers live. That's. Fight the urge, let those ingrates live, and you'll bring you a bundle of joy. They will. Is, you have to learn how your spouse communicates. That takes time. Men and women communicate differently. It took me two years of marriage to figure out my wife will never tell me to do anything around our home. If Tammy wants me to do something, she'll ask me a question. It's from the question that I got to stand there and figure out what it is she wants me to do. Simple example. Say I leave a pair of my underwear in the middle of the bedroom floor. Would she come to me and say to me, pick those up? That's three words. Hey, pick those up. Three words! Would she say no? Because that would be simple, direct, and right to the point. And at that moment, we would be communicating at the highest human level. The way God the Creator intended it, through language. She looks at me, looks at my underwear, and then asks, Are those yours? I sure hope they are, otherwise I got a few questions of my own. Oh, man, yes. And we laugh at those things because they're so relatable, right? I mean, we, we've dealt, we deal with a lot of those same kind of issues. You see, every family has problems. But there is hope for your family and for my family. And it's found in that passage we were looking at, that prayer that is for the church and it's for families as well. So let's look back at it in verse 9. I've underlined some things. We're going to just kind of look 
deeply at verse 9 to begin with. And here's what it says. Paul says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Well, what is he talking about? What is the atmosphere that is going on? Well, this is a, a picture of a healthy relationship, isn't it? Where your love is overflowing, you're growing together. But that is not the typical family. It's not the typical family because most of us, I would say every one of us, we carry something into that relationship that keeps us, is a stumbling block to a love that is overflowing and growing together. And what that is, is we, we carry baggage with us, don't we? We carry baggage into relationships. Several months ago, uh, ben and Dan, two of the guys in our church, and myself, we went to Uganda, just the three guys. And we said, you know what, we're flying to Uganda. It's a crazy long trip. It takes like two days to get there, two days to get back. But you know, we're going to be there for a week. Let's just take carry-on luggage. It's just going to be super simple. And so that's what we did. We just packed um, some carry-on luggage. But, man, even though I ca packed carry-on luggage, it was so heavy. I'm glad that they didn't, like, they didn't weigh it at the airport because it was way over, over the limit. And I'm, I'm you know, using it as a, as a rolling carry-on. I'm taking it through the airport. But I had just had hernia surgery uh, back, in, back in, the, in the fall. And my doctor said, hey, you're not supposed to lift anything for a long time. And, and so I was like, I still got to go on this trip. So it was amazing, guys. Ben and Dan were like my personal assistants for the entire week. They carried all my stuff with them. They put, they put my backpack on their, their back, and they took my carry-on, and they would put it up in the overhead compartment. It was fantastic. I think every trip from now on, that's how we should do it, okay? So, so it just, we're going to make it right here. Everybody sees it. It's online. This is how it's going to be from now on. It was awesome to be able to, to just have someone else carry your, your baggage. But the truth is, is we all bring baggage with us. And we all bring baggage into our homes. Sometimes our baggage is what happened at work that day. Sometimes our baggage is what happened at school that day. But for most of us, the baggage we take and bring into families is the past that we have. You see, the past, sometimes it's good, but, but it's not always roses and candy canes, is it? Right? Instead, it's full of mistakes and regrets. And those things turn into to hurt into wounds, there's scars from that, there's trauma, bitterness erupts, and what happens is we end up holding grudges because of it, and we carry into, in our homes, bad decisions that we've made. We carry into, into homes what we think families should be like based off of how we were raised, we carry into, into homes debt, like actually actual debt that, that we bring in, financial debt we bring in with us. We take battle scars of growing up into our relationships. And for a lot of us in this room, probably half of us at least, we bring a blended family together. And blended families, just like every family, has baggage with us. You see, it, all, it affects all of us. And it affects your family right now. And if that is true, then we need to address it. We need to talk about it. And if we don't address it and we don't understand what's, what's going on, there's a real danger of, of this volatile situation to happen when multiple people bring toxic substances together. A great example of that is going to a science fair for, for little kids, right? What is always at the science fair? 
a volcano, you know, like the volcano thing, and the kid shows up, and the truth is the kid did very little of it. It was all the parents that put it together, and, uh, and uh, they, you bring that to, to the, the science fair, and the kid puts vinegar and baking soda into the volcano, and it reacts, and it erupts. And that's what can happen in relationships, and we have some toxic things we haven't dealt with, and they combine together, and there's chaos. So what can, you, what can you do? Well, if you look back at this, this verse, it says, I, I pray that something can happen, that love is going to overflow, that you can keep on growing. This is this attitude of things are okay because we've dealt with some things in our lives. And the best way I can describe this to you, thinking about this specific verse 9, is in a way, for your family to be okay, to get rid of some toxic things in your life, you got to wipe off your feet. You got to wipe off your feet. You know, you know, you go into, anybody have a home, it's like shoes are not allowed in your home. You go to someone's house and you got to take your shoes off or they have a mat there. And the reason there's a mat there is because we don't want people, we want ourselves to, to drag in things that are actually in from the outside into the house. Some cultures, it's actually very appropriate for, to take off your shoes. You never walk in the house um, with your, your shoes on. And so we've had, over the, the last several weeks, this detox bottle. And, we, and inside it, we've had some different items to help us um, in this process of understanding this scripture. And so I want to do that again today. And I've got, I've got one item um, that, can, that can help us. And it's uh, just a sock, okay? It's just a, a weird sock. I've always got mismatched socks. I don't know why the, my laundry room just hides them. And, uh, and so I got this, this sock here, and this sock is just a good example of things that we carry, and, and they, they kind of attach to us, and we bring them into our home. And so whether it's the bottom of your feet, whether it's your, your socks, or whether it's actual the soles of your shoes, we bring things from our day, even from our past, into our homes. And we need to wipe our feet off, and especially the past off of our feet when we bring them into our homes. How do you do that? Jesus explains it. In Matthew chapter 18, he is with his disciples, and his disciples ask him this question. In fact, Peter does as kind of the spokesperson for the disciples. He says, Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Like, like seven times? Now, seven times was a lot. That was above the standard. And so Peter's like, hey, is that the right answer? Because that's a whole lot. I think I'm actually doing a good job. And Jesus replied, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. So you're like, oh, get your calculator out. How many times? What he's saying is, is that you never stop. You never stop forgiving someone. And I think there needs to be some forgiveness going on in our families. There's some things that we brought into our relationships from the past that we have not dealt with. So here's how you can do this. Here's how you can wipe your, your feet off before you get into your house. You've got to rekindle this forgiveness and truly mean it, recognizing what God has done for you and forgiving you, amen? Another thing we need to do personally is we need to repent of mistakes because not just the other person, it's ourselves as well. Every mirror in your house is pointing back at you and what's going on in your life? We need to repent of the mistakes from our past. And I think the, the key to all of this is we need to remember God's patience. 
God's patience in your life so that you can be patient with someone else who is going through something, especially the people that you love the most. So this verse 9 helps us to, to see that there's, there's this idea of a family, but there are these roadblocks, and one of the roadblocks is, is our past. We can't get over some of those things. There's some things we bring into our families that is keeping us from having that love that is overflowing, that is, that is keeping us from growing together. And so we need to wipe off our feet, metaphorically, with our families. But this prayer that Paul prays continues. Look at verse 10, what, what happens. He says, for I want you to, get this, to understand what really matters. This, this phrase, to understand, means to, to see or to, to recognize. Okay? We need to see or recognize what matters most. Anybody grow up with those Where's Waldo books? Anybody? Where's Waldo? Big old books. You open them up, and, and you're trying to find this guy in this, in this crazy illustration of total chaos all these distractions, you're trying to find this guy in a, in a, a red-striped um, uh, shirt. In fact, y'all help me real quick. Where's Waldo? Anybody? You probably can't even see. Now, here's the deal. For the sake of time, I've already cheated, and um, I didn't cheat. I didn't say that on, on stage. But uh, I looked ahead of time, okay? He's right there. Waldo's right there. It's hard to, to see. Um, lots of chaos going on. But this one doesn't compare to the next one. Look at this next one. Woo! Right? You can't even see probably from, from where you're at. There's lots of people that have striped shirts on, and you're trying to figure out, where is Waldo? Can I find him? The first service, I had not looked at this one, so we sat for a while <laughs> trying to find um, Waldo on, on the on the screen, you look, you're like, oh, I think that's him. No, uh, oh, that's crazy. What, what is that guy doing? Like, why are those people? And there's just all this chaos that is going on. And it's kind of a great example of, of our lives, right? Have you ever stopped to see and to recognize what's most important, to, to actually find it? Because there's so much junk in our lives that can distract us from some things. And by the way, he's right there, okay? He's right there, if you're wondering to know. All right. There's so many things that can distract us from finding and seeing and recognizing what's most important. Like, think about this. In our lives, especially with our families, just trying to survive financially can dominate your life, can it? Providing for your family. The news media. And what's going on in politics. Other people's drama in your life that you bring into your home can dominate your conversations and your evening and your, your weekends, it can dominate. And I would say maybe the biggest one is the world's definition of success. We got a lot of successful families in this room. And I wonder if the, the purpose of your family, what you would say is the most important is to be successful. For, your, for yourself to be successful, for your kids to grow up to, to be successful. What matters most? To your family? Is it loving your family? Is it caring for your family? Is it protecting them? Is it bringing and having a happy home? Is that what's most important? You see, all those things are great, but they are not the most important part of your family. If you are a family that follows Jesus, 
and you believe in Christ and you are, you've been saved from your sins, what should be the most important thing? Well, Philippians chapter 3 explains it to us. Paul is writing. He's listing all of his incredible accomplishments, all the good things in his life. Here's what he says. Yes, everything else is worthless. All that stuff is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, right, so that I could gain Christ. It's a comparison game. And Paul is saying, man, nothing else matters compared to Christ. Is that the definition of your family? Or is there something else that has just dominated your life? So remember this prayer. Paul prays and he says, I, I want you to understand what really matters, what's, what's most important. And so I want to help us to do that. we got to see and recognize what is most important. So I want to show you how you can know what's most important in someone's life. When you walk into someone's home, what do you notice pretty quickly? Like whether it's maybe like clutter or clean or dirty you can also notice what they value by the arrangement of their furniture. So if you look at their furniture, if they have some rooms where um, furniture faces each other, what do they value? Conversation and relationships. If you go into someone's home and furniture is wrapped around television screens, <laughs> like most of us, what is it saying about us? Saying that we value something else. We value... Maybe time together, but not time intimately together. We want to do things together, but not actually be together like that. We, we value entertainment, or whatever that is. You know what you can't escape when you go into someone's home and you, what you actually notice first? The smell, right? The smell. When Holly and I, um, were, when the kids, we were, we were moving here four years ago, we were going around looking at homes with a realtor, and uh, we found this one home. It was on top of this hill in this, this neighborhood. It was just an amazing house. Like, we were going, this is the one. Like, it's it. I mean, it, was, it, was, it had a great price, and we were, we were going up to it, and the realtor lady hadn't gone to that one yet. And we looked online, and it, it had been on the market for like 150 days. And we're like, well, why is it on the market for 150 days, right? I mean, we're thinking, man, the Lord has just saved this house for us, you know. The price keeps dropping. It's, it's, it's perfect for us. We opened the door and take one step in, and we went, nope. And we just turned around and, and walked out. Now, we, we stopped and, and got our breath, literally, and then we decided to go in just to see what, it, what, it, what, was, what was going on inside and what it was really like. But it smelled so bad in that house. There were so many animals. It was, I call it the kennel house. I mean, that's just how I remember the house. Every time we drive by the neighborhood, remember that kennel house on top of the street? I wonder if, it, if, it's, uh, if it's still for sale after all these years. I mean, who's going to buy that house? You walk in, and it is overwhelming what's actually, you realize what's going on in that house. And we were walking through the house. There were cats, like, randomly on all the furniture. We walk into a bedroom, and it's on the, the made-up bed, just kind of looking at us like, hey, this is my house. Get out of here, you know? It's just really, really strange. There's bird cages everywhere. Um, there was 
stains all over the, the carpet, all over the place. We went, tried to go in the, in the garage, and the garage literally had a padlock on it. You could not get into the garage. But I didn't want to get in the garage because there was like an entire herd of dogs in the garage just barking and going crazy. We could not tell how many dogs, maybe a dozen at least dogs. Um, they were, were locked up in, this, in this, this garage. It was awful. And so you look at a situation like that and realize that was their focus, right? Anybody that walks in that house is going to know that that's the kennel house, right? Here's my question for you. What does your house smell like? I'm not talking about your dogs or your cats or whatever, right? What does your house smell like? Or what should it smell like? From a spiritual sense. From a what is most important sense. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says this. <laughs> You're going to love this. We are the aroma of Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are the aroma of Christ to God among those two, two different groups. Among those who are being saved, so believers, okay, and amongst those who are perishing. To the lost and to the saved, you are the aroma of Christ. And the best way for me to, to illustrate this is to pull out of my detox bag um, this. Y'all know what this is, right? Anybody know what this is? Ooh, it's kind of heavy. Um, right. If you have kids... You know what this is. This is, you ready? Catch. Just kidding. I'm not going to throw that at you. Dirty diaper. Everybody knows what that smells like, right? Everybody knows what that smells like. And you know what? When you go into someone's house, they got little kids, this is what's going on. Anybody have like that diaper genie and you just, I, I remember when our kids were little, we had like, uh, it'd be like 50 yards long. And we're just carrying that, that diaper, all those little baggies, <laughs> trying to go out to the trash can. It's hilarious. It's do- it dominates, right? And when your house smells, something needs to happen. And here's a great way to think about it. Here's what needs to happen. You need to fumigate your whole house. If it is bad enough, you need to go in. You need to get some experts in in there. You need to vacate the place and you need to to fumigate it. You need to go to the store and get one of those those bug bombs. You ever got one of those bug bombs and, and you like put on the table and you hit the button and it starts spraying out there, and you got to run and get out of the house for at least a couple hours because it's going to go into everything and kill all those bugs. For some of us, some of our homes, we need to have a Jesus bomb that goes off in our homes. We need to detox the things in our homes that do not point others to Jesus. How do we do that? Let me say this. Here's the answer. What you're close to all day is what you're going to smell like. Is that not true? Some of you guys have jobs that might be a little smelly. And when you come home, you can smell that, right? You can't get away from it. When our staff goes uh, out to eat, sometimes we go to a Mexican restaurant, and we like to mess around with Ryland uh, because he, uh, he, he loves his hair and how he looks and smells. And so, so one of us, we always get... Uh, those sizzling fajitas, you know? The sizzling fajitas that come to the table, it's like, shh, you can't even see each other because it's like the cloud, right, of smoke. And Rylan hates it because it gets in his hair, and his hair smells like fajitas all day. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I wish I was joking. Um, but, so, but look, some of us, we're, we're nose blind to what our house smells like. We can't, we can't smell what's dominating our house, but other people can let me ask this. Are you spending enough time with Jesus that you have the aroma of Christ? Or are there some areas of your life that stink? Let me talk about some of the areas. 
Does your speech stink? Psalm 19, here's what it says. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Is your speech pleasing to God? If it isn't, let me just say this, it stinks. It stinks. It doesn't smell like Jesus. It doesn't point people to Jesus. So what do you need to do? You need to refine your speech and change it. Here's another one. Does your attitude stink? <laughs> A lot of us, even myself included, sometimes my attitude, it just doesn't smell good. Look at the Bible says, Philippians chapter 2. It says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus had. What was his attitude like? Was he humble? Was he always bragging? Was he always trying to get his way? Or did he put people first? Did he just get angry immediately? Or was he patient and kind? What is your attitude like? And if your attitude stinks, you need to recommit to humility and selflessness like Jesus and have his attitude. And he asks us, does your motivation stink? Your motivation for, for doing things. Look at Joshua chapter 24 says. Joshua is talking to the leaders and they're, they're trying to figure out which way they're going to go and what they're going to do. And, and they're, being, they're being bombarded by so many things that they could follow after. And Joshua says, you know what? You can go and serve that God. You can go and, and live over in that place. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. His motivation was that, you know, I'm going to serve the Lord. And if your motivation is not that, if your motivation is seeking after something else, you need to remove the stinky trash in your house. You got to change. You got to make a decision. Now, here's how this prayer comes to a conclusion, because there's another part of verse 10. Let's look at this. He says this, I want you to understand what really matters, we talked about so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Pure and blameless lives until something happens. Something that we're looking forward to. How many of you guys are looking forward to the Super Bowl in two weeks, right? Super Bowl, we got some games going on this, this, this uh, afternoon. You can watch those games. But man, the Super Bowl is it. And for NFL teams, they don't just think about the next week. They think about... The Super Bowl, all year. That is the goal. And I would say, you can go back into the offseason. They're thinking about getting to the Super Bowl. That is, that is the goal. That is the prize. And for believers, your prize is the return of Christ. That's the end. And so as a family, what do you do when, you, when you're going to have that in mind? Well, first, you're going you're to wipe off your feet, okay? So that your past doesn't consume you. And you can, you can love each other in an overflowing way. You can grow together. You're also going to remember what's most important. And you're going to fill your home with things that, that smell like Jesus. You want to know what Jesus smells like, by the way? It's bacon. Okay, he smells like it's bacon. Ba bacon's the best smell in the world, okay? So if your house smells like bacon, that's good. That's, that's what, I, I don't know. I just made that up. Okay, so you want your, your home to have the aroma of Christ so that it impacts your family and those who may enter it. And at the end here, it says you would live in such a way and make decisions in such a way that the end is on your mind. 
Here's a great way to, to give an example for this. Is the last thing in my, my jar is, or in this is my piggy bank. This is my best version of a piggy bank. Full of coins, right? If you are thinking about the future, we save, don't we? We put things in a piggy bank so that we don't spend it now, so we're investing in the future in some way. And that's something we all need to do. We all need spiritually, in our relationships with our families, we need to fill our piggy banks. You see, if someone just spends all their money now, they are not thinking about the future, okay? They're not investing in the future. My question is, are you investing, are you filling your piggy bank with your family? I'm not talking about money, guys. I'm talking about your relationships. I'm talking about the future with your spouse. I'm talking about your kids and what their life is going to be like. And so here's some ways, real quick, that we can invest in our, in our families. The first one is we can invest in our kids. Look what Proverbs 22, 6 says. <clears throat> it says to parents, direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. Direct your children. Like, point them to Jesus. Are we doing that? Are we being intentional? Are we just hoping that they make it through, you know? But like, like the comedian says, that we, we don't kill them so that they can have, we have grandkids someday, right? Is that the goal? Or are we, are we pointing them to Jesus in love and patience? Also, we need to be investing in our marriages, in our relationships with our spouses. Because here's the truth. Someday, if you got kids in this room, someday, if they are the purpose and goal of your life, someday they're going to be gone. And a lot of you in this room are going, yep, someday they're gone. And then it's just the two of you, and you're like, what do we do now? Are you investing in your marriage so that it's full of joy and love, overflowing and growing in the future? Let me give you some verses. Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, guys in this room, love your wives. I love how Ephesians says, here's how you love your wife. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus is the perfect example for us of how we should love and care and provide for our spouses. Are we doing that? I'm not just talking about money and bringing home a paycheck. I'm talking about emotionally, relationally. Are we focused on something else, our hobbies, the things that we want to do? Are we investing in our spouses? Huh, all right, ladies, I got something else. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this one, but here we go. Proverbs 21. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have done this. Okay. Well, well. It's better, <laughs> it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. That's a crazy verse. See, guys, if your wife is like that, it's better to live up in the attic than live in the house. Okay. <laughs> That's, a, that's a, a verse that looks like it's talking to, to men, but it's talking to women too. What kind of home are you creating? You know what a quarrelsome wife's motivation is? Self. That's what it is. The simplest way I can think of it. Are you being like Christ? Are you loving your husband and your kids are you creating a home that they can't wait to get home to? That's different, right? That's investing in your family. Look, family 
relationships need regular and intentional investment. No one ever on their deathbed says, man, I, I wish I'd spent less time with my family. I just spent way too much time with them. No. It's always regret and saying, I wish I'd not been focused on that thing. I wish I'd been focused on what really matters, which is my family. And here, here's kind of some bonus for you. There's one other way that we can invest in our family, and it's to create a family legacy. Not just for the, the family that you know now, not just your, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, not just your spouse and your relationship with them, but what about the generations within your family that you will never meet? Have you thought about them? I'm not talking about creating a nest egg financially so they don't have to work or something like that. But I'm talking about a, a spiritual legacy that 50, 75, 100 years from now, your family tree is running towards Christ because you were intentional in your walk with Jesus. And they may never know your name, but they'll know his name. That's investing in the future with Christ's return on our minds. 1 Timothy 5.8 says this, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, they've denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. But what it's saying here is that, that you, you, you're, you're, you're saying one thing, but you're not living it out. And look, we fill up piggy banks, we fill up savings accounts, we fill up investment funds for the future. Are you doing that? With your family. Galatians 6 says that there, this is, man, this, this is a great way to end. Galatians 6 says this. Look, you will always harvest what you plant. And if that's true, then let's not get tired of doing what is good. And at the, at just the right time, we're going to reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Is this easy? It is not easy. But you harvest what you plant, what you invest in, what you put your time and energy in. Look, this series is about taking the junk out of our lives. We all have it. I think the best example is Jesus. Now, Jesus did not have any junk to take out of his life. But he helped some people take the junk out of their lives. One great story that happened is that Jesus goes up to the temple and he begins to flip over some tables. Y'all remember that? He's flipping over tables. Why was Jesus flipping over tables? He was doing that when he realized that God's house wasn't honoring the Lord. He said, you know what? Enough is enough. Enough talk. Talking is over. It's time to flip over some tables, which is kind of crazy. He's like my hero in that moment. Like, yes, let's do this. Look, you may and I may need to be like Jesus. And the question I have for us is, what needs to be flipped on its head in your home? Look, if you've got a, a table full of the past and you love to just stack it on top of each other and hold, hold that against each other, maybe you need to have a talk with your family and ask for forgiveness and there need to be some repentance and you need to flip that table over. If you've got a table... You never take the trash out. You just keep stacking trash bags on top of it. Your house stinks. 
Your emotions are all over the place. Your speech is horrible. Your behavior, your attitude, you're focused on so many other things besides focused on Jesus. You do not smell like Christ. Maybe you need to flip that table over and take the trash out, right? Some of us, we may have a table that is just empty of investment. We're so focused on ourselves and right now that we're not thinking about intentionally investing in relationships and the future legacy of our family. Maybe that table needs to be flipped over. Right now, I think for all of us, we're going to do this. We're going to give ourselves some time here to seek forgiveness and to forgive, to repent and go to the Lord and ask him to take that thing that we've been holding on for, for too long and take that away. I think for some of us, we need to have a determination to rid our, rid our homes of things that do not honor Jesus and make a change and make a shift. I think for some families in this room, we need to renew our commitment to investing in our families and showing them the path to Christ. This series is all about taking our lives back. I'm tired of it. Personally, I'm tired of continuing in the habits I have, in the attitudes that I have. If I don't make the change, it's not going to happen. And the same thing goes for you. Are we willing to do that for the sake of our families and for the glory of God? That's the question. Let me, let me ask you to do something. Would you mind standing with me? Here's what we're going to do. We're not going to have, Rylan's not coming out. We're not singing a song. Look, if you'd like to speak with someone over in the connection room, we'll be open to do that. If you want to talk to someone about our, our church or you need prayer specifically or you want to know more about a relationship with Christ, we want to make that open to you. But I also want to just provide space in this room for you to think about your family, your home. It's an invitation for you. Rhonda's going to play just some music over us and we're just going to take some time to pray. You can pray right where you're at, or man, I would invite you, if you have your, your, your family with you, come down to the front and spend some time just praying, asking God what needs to change in our relationships, what needs to change in our home so we can get our life back so that God can be glorified. After I pray, this is your opportunity to respond. Would you bow with me? God, you're good, you're holy, you're full of love and mercy, and forgiveness, and patience. You're patient with us. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would help us to detox our homes. We got baggage we brought into our, from our past into our homes, and we have not wiped our feet. We've carried so much in, and I, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to seek forgiveness, to give forgiveness, to run to you and repent and that you would wash us clean and make us new, God, so that we can love each other, have a love that's overflowing. We can grow together as a family. God, I know every family wants that. But there's some things that are holding us back. God, when people walk into our homes, what do they smell? What is our focus? What's our priorities? Are we being more like Jesus 
or more like the world. Help us, Lord, to be so close to you throughout the week and in our homes that whenever anyone steps in our house, they know where we stand. By the way we treat each other and by the way that we treat them. God, I pray that you'd help us to not just think about the here and now, but you'd help us to think about the future, what that looks like with our families, that we would be intentional, invest, and and train up our kids, and invest in our marriages, and and invest in our grandkids and great-grandkids, and and make that one of the focuses of our lives, that we can leave a legacy, even for those we will never meet. God, you're worth it. We need your help. So right now, God, we just give you space for you to move and to work. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so glad that you joined us for Central Online today. It's been a great time of worshiping our Savior together as a Central family. Maybe today God's been speaking to you about trusting Him with your whole life and even in taking that first next step in following Him. Well, we'd love to get connected with you. You can text the word FORGIVEN to 94000, and that will get you in touch with our ministry team. And if you need prayer about something specific, we'd love to be able to come alongside you and pray. So send us an email to prayer at cbcowasso.org. If this message spoke to you today, why not take a second and share it with a friend or a family member that might need to hear it? It's an exciting time to be part of Central as we do our best to live for Christ, love people, and make disciples. We'll see you next week.